This installment of the AX Insider podcast features a conversation with David Kasprak, principal and co-founder at O'Kelly Kasprak, a full-service architecture, interior design, and project management firm. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the AX Insider podcast. My name is Andy Telejohn. I'm a senior writer at Airport Experience News. Joining us today is David Kasprak, a principal and co-founder of O'Kelly Kasprak. He's been an architect for 35 years, and he's worked on and led projects of every size, going back to when he was 12 years old and he did his first set of blueprints. Thanks for joining us today. Well, thanks so much for having me. Uh, uh, Absolutely, and I appreciate you taking some time. Uh, You've been monitoring uh, design in the airport for quite a while. Uh, This last year has been pretty unprecedented. I'm curious to know what thoughts and observations you've got on design and redesign since COVID hit. Uh, what, what do you see that has happened that has been good that might stick around for a while? Uh, you know, what's maybe a fly-by-night, uh, just get through the pandemic uh, situation? Well, airports are uh, dealing with COVID the same way that uh, we are everywhere in, in the world here. So. Um, Our clients, especially those that are tenants in airports, have had the same challenges that uh, retailers, restaurants, uh, all kinds of businesses have had throughout the economy. And that is, you know, they come to us and they say, well, what is it that, you know, what's the minimum we need to do? How long, how long does this last? So on and so forth. Especially a year ago, we didn't know, was this going to be, you know, we started out, this was going to be a two week thing. Then it became a two month thing. And now we are a year and some change into this and it's kind of coming out, but we don't know what's going to happen. So the big takeaway from that, from a design standpoint is everybody had one toe into the, what they could do. They want to do the minimum they could that they didn't want, our clients did not want to do anything that could not be undone or that if they did it, they were happy to do it if it was going to be a long lasting change or you know, if we knew this was going to go on for five years, there are permanent changes. But given that nobody knows, everything's been very temporary. So it's been, you know, how do we rearrange seating? How do we uh, make the customer uh, comfortable with touchless transactions? And how do we show that we are doing a better job of sanitizing? Uh, How do we reallocate space so that we can get the most out of it? And and of course, how do we keep our employees uh, employed when there's nobody around, you know, as as there were for first eight months of this pandemic. So obviously it's all coming back now and we're beginning to see things return a little bit back to normal. Well, that's, uh, that was kind of my next question because uh, I mean, you're, you're talking to a lot of folks out there on a regular basis. Uh, you probably have your own observations as well. Uh, what's your feel about the recovery? I mean, are, are we, are we really starting to, you know, get back to, are, are we really starting to get back to normal? I guess uh, we are, we are getting back to normal. Um, I certainly traveled, last time I traveled, uh, I, I'm based out of Chicago. Last time I went through Midway Airport, you could not tell that there, that it was as busy as I can remember seeing it short of holidays or something like that. So, so that's a great thing. Not all of the um, venues were open there though. I mean, they still were operating on uh, two thirds of the, restaurants and the retail being open and so on. So there were a lot of lines and concentrations of people. Um, and then of course, there's the things that are still 
there on a temporary basis, you know, everybody, you know, walking, you know, directing people in different directions and separation and uh, spreading out seats and all those kind of things that we're going to still see for a while. But yeah, I think things are beginning to return back to normal. My clients are saying that uh, my clients that are on the tenant side are saying that they, you know, they expect to be building or talking to us in, in earnest in the fourth quarter as far as kind of picking up and, and getting back to designing things and so on. Okay. Uh, so a little bit of optimism there. Uh, are the needs and wants of airports uh, the same as they were heading into the pandemic? Or have you sensed that uh, uh, there might be some ongoing lingering changes, uh, even as we get back to normal from having dealt with the pandemic? Uh, and what might those be? Well, you know, Airports are—they've always been evolving. So uh, you know, they're very. You know, th those of us that are on the passenger side, we see one level of it from a design standpoint, and uh, you know, I mean, they are incredibly complex systems, and they're always changing. And and so there's you know, from the airport standpoint, they are always trying to first of all to reduce the traveler's stress point. So in other words, how do you make the the uh, how do you move people through as quickly as you can efficiently and with the least amount of pain and agony? So, um, you know, they're always looking for better security sequences, uh, you know, check-in, you know, new technologies, uh, you know, biometrics, uh, you know, you hear those buzzwords, things of that nature, upcoming technologies that will, you know, make the customer experience smoother and better. Um, environmental design, a huge thing. Uh, and and uh, from certainly from uh, you know, in terms of how airports are, you know, sustainability, not only from an operational standpoint, but also the customer, the travelers are looking for um, sustainability. The new generations are looking to see that more. So how does that that's influence airport design? How do we show the traveler that we are being sustainable? Yeah, let's uh, let's talk about that a little bit. I, what are a couple of your uh, favorite uh, projects having been involved in that side? That is definitely, uh, I mean, it was big before and it's uh, certainly uh, only getting bigger heading out of the pandemic. Uh, tell me about some of the things you've seen there. Well, I think the, the big thing you see, and of course, if you look, uh, you know, the biggest, newest airports and so on are actually around the world. Uh, certainly Asia and Middle East have had the, the newest, biggest, best airports in the last X many years. Um, and what you see there is these kind of almost biosphere type atmospheres where you, you have, you know, some of the airports in China where you have these central areas that are almost like botanical gardens. And uh, I actually had a client, a an airport client that was looking to us to um, analyze and see how they could green up the the uh, local airport, and uh, you know it was based on them having traveled around and so on, and so we were doing some analysis there in terms of how do you just create that ambiance, and it works best of course when it actually is providing you know better air quality or it's used to, you know, uh, wastewater systems can be drained and used to um, fertilize those plants and things of that nature. So um, 
those kind of sustainable things are, are the future there. And as airports are getting redesigned or updated, you'll see more and more of that. Okay, so that's something that we can expect to see here in the, uh, in the U.S. a little more frequently starting soon? Uh, the next, probably the next uh, generations of, of airport design. So okay, you know, that's a 10-year window between when you start something. And, and <laughs> sure, yeah. No, nothing happens fast for sure. No, no doubt about that. Uh, David Kasprek, a principal and co-founder of O'Kelly Kasprek, joins us today. And he's uh, talking about some of the changes we're going to see in the industry as we move forward from the COVID pandemic that's been uh, knocking things down the last year. Uh, what uh, One of the things that uh, I, I was reading about uh, in your work uh, as, we, as I was preparing for this was uh, talk of turning unused and occupied spaces into uh, revenue generating space at airports. And I'm, I'm wondering if you've got a couple of uh, examples of, uh, of you know, how airports have done that a little bit differently in recent times. Yeah, that's a great question. And uh, yes, there, uh, we have actually uh, our airports. Uh, so pre-COVID, the start, this kind of started pre-COVID. And the idea there was uh, trying to maximize the, the you know, airports were looking for ways to uh, maximize the experience for the traveler and also to maximize revenues that were being generated in the airport. And one of the things you've seen, you, you see it, uh, we just did it, did it here at Midway Airport in Chicago. Uh, it's, be, it's been done out in uh, Newark at some of the airports is they, they are, uh, these airports are taking out the horizontal, the travelators. So those kind of horizontal walkways that uh, you see in some airports that you step on and it's kind of that horizontal escalator. And they're taking those out and replacing them with amenities, either retail or restaurants. So in the case of uh, ones we've done, you, you end up with a uh, restaurant that is a 13 and a half foot wide by 150 foot long restaurant, but it actually, it actually works well. It, um, you end up with a lot of you know, bar area and a few rows of seats and so on, a little kitchen in the middle, and people love it. I mean, they end up being the highest generating you know, per dollar spaces in the in the whole airport because they are so prominent and at the same time they're they're not reducing traffic flow and so on because it was space that was just being taken up and not, not really utilized well. And the airports never like those things those travelators because they break down all the time. I was always a fan of the travelator, uh, but uh, I'm a little on the lazy side from time to time. I guess I'll trade in getting a few extra steps for being able to sit at a bar by my gate though. There is that. And then, of course, post-COVID, uh, you know, we're now taking that idea and using it to, now, now the question becomes looking at the space that's available and saying, well, how do we minimize the pinch points and how do we spread people out in a way that is safer? You know, before it was all, you go to a hold room and it was rows of seats and everybody, a very concentrated area, and then you had this big corridor that came into the center of it and you know, kind of a milling area. Well, now how do you how do you better look at organizing that space so you can spread people out without reducing the capacity of the seats and so on so much that you're creating another set of problems. So, yeah, I was uh, I was reading somewhere. I don't remember which airport, but uh, I saw a report somewhere that if uh, if this one airport was 
to spread out seating enough so that they actually could put six feet in between all of the people that were going through there at any given time, they'd have to expand. Uh, I, I don't know. I think the expansion would have taken uh, well into the runway space. Uh, so uh, finding creative ways to, uh, to uh, spread people out versus, you know, you've got airports and operators that have been struggling financially pretty, pretty badly here for the last year. I imagine there's going to be some uh, push and pull between uh, spacing versus also, you know, continuing to find those new, new little uh, revenue spaces uh, as well. Uh, have you come across any of that? That's got to be an interesting uh, uh, challenge right now. It's it's always a push and pull. Of how much and and what you see is the the airports themselves are looking for the tenants to take up some of that, you know slack in some cases. In other words, we will give you this amount of area, but you have to dedicate a certain amount of it to amenity that anybody can use in the airport versus you can only sit here if you order uh, drink and so on and so forth. And that, of course, comes down to a, a mathematical equation between the tenant and, and the airport as far as, you know, rent and all that kind of stuff. But you do see that where they're, they kind of are looking for ways for the tenants to kind of help help with that issue a little bit. And then of course there's new furniture solutions and so on. Uh, you know, is there, are there ways to create smaller, smaller pods where, you know, there's a you know a partition here. So I could be sitting next to somebody and maybe, maybe it's not a partition, but maybe it's some, some element that I don't mind sitting shoulder to shoulder with you, Andy, even though I don't know you because there's enough separation there that I'm not worried that we're, Within distance, but let's face it. Yeah, we get on that we get on that airplane, and we are sitting shoulder to shoulder with everybody anyway. So, um, at least the other piece, which is you know better ventilation systems and so on, that uh, yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be one of the positives that's gonna come out of COVID in the long term is gonna be that nobody's gonna really see, but there's going to be better filtration systems and so on in these airports to help mitigate some of this. Yep. No, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, uh, and, and, uh, a little, an improvement to air quality. I mean, that's, uh, you know, that's not, not going to hurt by any stretch. Absolutely. Uh, one, another thing I'm intrigued by, you mentioned midway and, uh, that's, uh, there's definitely plenty going on there, but, uh, you've also worked in some smaller airports, uh, Madison, Dane County, Eastern Iowa. Uh, yeah. what's the experience at some of those smaller airports like right now and what challenges are they facing that we might not think about when we're thinking about the, uh, you know, Chicago's and New York's and LA, LA's of the world. Well, I think that they, they've been hit, uh, you know, if you're looking at, at, at a small airport that, uh, is providing just for a region in general, they've been hit hard, you know, unless the industry, you know, they're, they are, they are a function of the, local economy and, you know, their traffic, their foot traffic was already rather limited. And so now you take that away and what you find is that the, the, the tenants working there, the airports have had to accommodate and, and, you know, either come up with new formulas for keeping these, keeping these tenants open or other ways to, you know, same time get, Getting, keeping amenities there for the people that are traveling, but the foot traffic was down a lot and, and it really hurt those smaller airports. I mean, compared to you know, Midway, you can reduce, or an O'Hare, you can reduce, take 25% of the 
food out of there. You can take 25% of the, of the sundry shops out of there. And there's still plenty of places to go and buy things. You just have to plan a little bit more, a little further. You go to a small airport and there's one restaurant or on the land side and one restaurant on the air side and that air, air side goes down, there's nowhere to eat. There's, you know, so uh, those are, those are the big challenges that those local airports have. So. Yeah. Is, I mean, are there any answers to that or is that, uh, I mean, do they just have to kind of wait, uh, wait things out and, uh, and hope things turn around fast? Uh, I, well, I, it's, it, what we've heard is that it's, it's the collaboration with the, uh, it, it's an operational collaboration. So the airport, uh, you know, these, these tenants are saying that, you know, we can't, we can't pay these rents. The airport has to come up with, you know, other, other ways to keep these tenants there. They can't collect the rent. They, if they kick them out and they, they have an empty space. So um, it really is sort of a you know, kind of like the malls of 10 years ago, trying to figure out how to keep tenants there and work with them until things improve. I just heard, uh, you know, Simon, Simon malls and on the mall side, not airports, but you'll, you see some of the same thing, which is mm-hmm. that where they rework their, um, they rework the, the leases so that they take, you know, we, we will accommodate you and give you a lower rent now, but when things return, you'll get more, we'll get more of your sales on the high side. I get the sense, uh, you know, a lot of folks I've talked with uh, have indicated that uh, uh, airports and operators have throughout this uh, um, while coming at it from different perspectives, managed to work together pretty collegially uh, uh, at trying to um, uh, get through this COVID situation. Is that your observation as well? Or you feel, do you feel like that's, uh, uh, that, that's been the case? Yeah, that, they really, you know, first of all, most of these airports are, you know, they're all quasi governmental, right? They are, if they're not, if they're not, Actually, run by the by by the municipality. There's a, some sort of agency, and they have to collect revenues. But there's also some taxpayer money and so on. So, so they, they have a little bit of uh, a longer view, and and so I think that that helps a lot. You know, so I think as long as the tenants, as long as they have good tenants in there that they want to keep, they will work with them. If if the tenants were already underperforming and so on, or they weren't the highest quality, then maybe a different deal. Okay. Okay. Uh, David Kasprek uh, with us today from O'Kelly Kasprek. Uh, what about services in airports? How is that going to change going forward here uh, as we emerge? Well, um, some of the things that we, we hear about are, you know, there, there may be more amenities, uh, maybe private amenities that come on. You already you already see the airlines. Uh, there, may, there may be a lot more appetite for tra- us, us as travelers to sign up with the airlines for their their lounges. So we may see more more of that. We may see more third party lounges where I can go and get away from, you know, that crowd of people in the masses and you know pay a premium to sit and get out of the way and, and have a, a more elevated experience on the short term. Um, as far as, again, I think uh, we're going to continue to see more uh, pop-up uh, retail and so on. That's going to be a function of uh, um, 
just uh, the ability to be flexible in terms of, uh, we're, we're already designing that into the spaces, a lot more uh, end cap spaces and places where there's a 20 foot area that, that is designated for unknown and for the airport to be able to, yeah. Okay, COVID, a mask shop goes in there. After COVID, well, what goes in there now? Uh, you know, well, now all of a sudden, uh, Generation uh, 5G is out, and maybe there's a cell phone place that goes in there or something like that. So that flexibility is going to be something that uh, uh, I think continues to be uh, developed, just just you know, very much like what you would find in, in the retail world outside of the airports. Okay. All right. Uh, that sounds uh, sounds good. So. Uh, the Cubs win the World Series again, and uh, and you got a. a <laughs> I figured that was the. Uh, I, I took a guess on that, or the White Sox. Uh, uh, you'll have to tell me later if I got the call right. Um, well, that sounds good. Uh, what what else have we? Uh, what else should we talk about, uh, David? Anything we haven't hit on? You know, I, I think um, it's going to be a great. It's going to be really interesting, I think, just to see what the next 10 years brings to air travel in general. We're going to, you know, hopefully the pandemic will be in the rearview mirror. But just like we see so many things changing right now with regard to technology and so on, the, you know, the ability to use your phone to, you know, how, how are we going to especially find our way through security and check in and so on? You know, 10 years from now, what is that going to be versus, you know, just think of what, where we've come in the last 10 years between, you know, started out being, you know, going through checkout lines to TSA to global entry to have, being able to use my cell phone to have my boarding pass on it and so on. Just think of what that next 10 years is going to be. And as we get more into identification systems and, and pre-check and things like that, I think that there's going to be a lot that's going to happen there. And then, and I think just the, the entertainment value in the airports, what the, what technology can bring there in terms of making our experience that much deeper. Uh, it's going to be really, really exciting. I think. Entertainment. Uh, it's interesting. You brought that up uh, in the next issue of AXN. You'll be able to see a, a short story on the, uh, the, the seemingly uh, growing uh phenomenon of uh, video gaming in airports uh, and I'm, I'm wondering if you if you think that's something that uh, that has legs uh, in the airport and uh, what other you know entertainment venues you might think to see uh, as part of the airport of the next 10 years uh, well we know clients who have been in talks with um, the sports book kind of places like uh, you know, the DraftKings of the world and so on and so forth to, to bring those into, into the airports, uh, video gaming, um, really any, anything that, that uh, has to be, you know, any, anything that's kind of a hospitality oriented piece, that's really, I think, sort of the next layer. And, and actually you see some, some of the new airports uh, particularly in Singapore and China, where actually they're making the airports destinations where they have a shopping mall that is part of the airport that you, you know, so you can go on the land side and actually go to the airport. It becomes a travel destination as opposed to just this thing that you go to in order to get on a plane. So, um, I mean, you know, there's, you can see a Dave and Buster's in there or, or like that kind of adult, 
adult uh, you know, video games and so on, or pool tables and things like that. It's really gonna become a matter of what, how best to use the space that's available. Um, and you know, the revenue piece, you know, how can you afford to, what can you afford to put in that space that will generate revenue for the tenant and will also be a great attraction for the traveler. So the changes are on their way. If I can go put down a few bucks on a football game on a Sunday when I'm flying out of town, I'm uh, I'm intrigued by that. Pick it up on the way back when you come back through, right? Yeah. Ab absolutely. I'm all over it. Well, David, thank you for taking some time. David Kasprak, principal and co-founder of O'Kelly Kasprak. Uh, appreciate your uh, time and insights today. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. I enjoyed it. Same here. Appreciate it.